I love that ad. I love that ad. I love that ad. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Love That Ad. Very special episode today. Not only because I'm joined by the wind beneath my wing, Shane W. Brennan, but we are also joined by Colin Hart, founder of The Public House. Welcome to the podcast, Colin. Thank you very much. How are you? Great, yeah. All is yeah, good. Yeah. All is good. Pleasure to have you on. Um, Thank you. The Public House is 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 one of those names that is flying around there as, as the hot ticket the last couple of years in, in the Irish creative circles. Uh, how does that feel to have... <laughs> have found a hot ticket one Berlin. of those hot tickets we are uh i'm very proud i, I actually am very proud i mean we had a, we had a great year there with um adcals and stuff and if we look at it technically we are technically the most creatively awarded agency in the irish market which is amazing because the agency is only like 10 years old so it's not like that old and we're not really new to the market but um yeah that's a, it's an amazing feeling for me anyway because you know I, it was me and the dog above the Bernard Shaw pub 10 years ago setting it up going wouldn't it be great and sure enough here we are with like, an amazing team of people like genuinely like the every day is like fantastic to walk in and see well the two days we're in the office are great to walk in and see everybody um and you know the fact that we've got that kind of caliber of people in the agency is ridiculous I, I still get quite shocked by that because um, it was just a, an idea years ago and going like here it's Celtic Tigers fucked everything up and we're uh, we've got no money and nobody's gonna make any money anyway so let's just um go out and try my own thing and here we are <laughs> give, give it give it yeah. a lash uh, 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 w- w- was it the fact that that the it was founded at the at the low web of of the crash, or was there was there some influence from your your time being a creative director around the world and diff- different agencies around the world? Did was it all come together or help influence what you do now, but also why you started? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there was loads of reasons for doing it, mainly because my wife helped me to ransom because she wanted me to uh, come back to Ireland, and I was having a great time in Canada. So that was probably the key reason. But then, you know, getting back into the Irish market, because I'd worked in uh, TBWA Dublin for five years, I think it was, before I left. And um, I love the Irish market. And weirdly, you've got brilliant clients that want to do good work in a quite an enclosed area. Because my history had been in Canada with such a huge market there. It's very complicated, so close to North America or to America. And then you've got like, previously I was in Australia and in Tokyo, like, I mean, you cannot control that. You can't come up with an idea. Like you can't be someone that's, it's not like, you're not like sort of within one small area. It's just obscenely massive. And therefore, I don't know, I'm not a control freak, but it's sort of, I do want to come somewhere where I know I have an impact and can actually sort of talk to people in a way that they actually understand. So that was, kind of one of the main reasons but yeah like Celtic Tiger as I say it was the crash whenever I came back and um weirdly the agency DDB that I've been working in in Canada had a really interesting uh, integration with social and digital at the time and actually Ireland hadn't really figured that out um so I was able to come back and actually we were originally called the so the original name was the public house but then we called it the social house for a couple of years to sort of because it gave us an angle to get into clients and that's where we started mm. to grow because People couldn't understand it, so they were going, "Can you talk to us?" And we we knew, like, I knew quite a bit about it. Um, I wasn't an expert in it, but I knew how to apply that into a bigger marketing creative world. So, um, and that worked quite well. And then we got a couple of good finding clients. There was our really good pals in Irish Distillers with Jamison, and there was Rabo Direct at the time. Um, 
there was Today FM, we did a lot of stuff with them. The Science Gallery, we actually, I did an idea for them that got into the World Science Festival and stuff. Like, it was just weird stuff. And then obviously Paddy Power was one of them at the very beginning because I'd worked with them previously. Um, so those five clients and, you know, by the end of the year, we had projects with all of them. So, yeah, it's great. That's amazing. And a lot of those clients are still your 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 current clients. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, that's, that's great to have them, bring them along along the journey. Particularly, if I were to be honest, the Irish Distillers one, because we started off with them, like, yeah, as I say, 10 years ago. And genuinely, they've all become really good pals as well. So, like, we have a, an amazing relationship with them. And, you know, there's a, quite a good, like, I feel like we are a part of their team in many respects. So, yeah, yeah, love it. That's the that's the goal, dust, isn't it? Really, when you when you have that client relationship, that it's it feels like you're all in the one room, rowing the same boat, and it's just it gets that extra extra percentages out of your creativity, out of what they can do from from inter inside the brand, and that's that's the real sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's I, difficult think, to do, but it is the right thing. Yeah, I I think it's really an interesting thing. Is the first time you experience that with a client. So if, say if you've come and working on different brands and you're like, you're not getting that kind of gelling, you're like, this is a very clienty relationship. And then you meet a client who's sound and you're like, I can just ask you a question. That's not like, you're not wondering why I'm asking you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can send you an email and you're not wondering if it's about yeah. a PO. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we had a way of yeah. figuring that out in the early days, which was because it was me and the dog yeah. pig, his name is, and he's just sitting back here. He's wrecked. He's an old boy now, but he, um, he used to come in and if he didn't like clients, it was actually quite clear because he would go up to them and start like sniffing them. And like, and obviously, you know, we all know that if somebody doesn't like a dog, there's no point in working with yeah. them. So, uh, yeah, true. <laughs> but there was a couple of occasions where we had like high end, like, you know, financy people that were in and, you know, they were wearing their suits and their briefcases. And I think it's because he sensed how uncomfortable we were with those people mm -hmm. that he started to play up and act up. Cause it was whenever he was with like all of our pals and all the guys in Jemison and stuff like they were just like your mates. So he would just go up for a cuddle. Whereas with these guys, it was all kind of, uh, he it was like, he was sniffing them out to see whether they were going to be relaxed enough to be a part of our work with us. So it was a good way of that might be the world's first client sniffing. Yeah. Dog. yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. When we door stopped you, he came out to greet us and we had a good rub with him. Yeah. So, he would, he so, would have seen we... that I was very comfortable chatting to people like you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, well, Colin, I, we're going to jump into your ads uh, very, very soon. But just before we do that, from uh, what's the kind of style of advertising, or do you have a style or, or uh, that of, of ads that that grab your attention? And you're like, you know, fuck, that's a that's that's savage. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure, you're confronted with them all the time, and um, you know, like I suppose my my ones, the ones that I like are the ones that obviously you you know they're going to get loads of exposure, not just on the media spend that they've got. So I'm a big earned fan and I love the idea of a, an idea that, um, you know, gets everyone talking and confronts people. And although, like, I don't know, I'm seeing it a little bit more recently where people are sort of just confronting for the sake of it. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if that adage about, you know, any publicity is good publicity. I'm not sure if that is actually accurate. I think people can be smarter than that and actually do uh, work that is uh, talked about for all the right reasons. Um, but I, I haven't really chosen that actually in the three ads that you're talking about. Each one is sort of chosen for a reason that I think is, you know, slightly different. But as an agency, you know, we have this principle around boring doesn't sell. And 
you know, I know it sounds very cliched, but you know, the, the, the latest surveys and it's done in the UK are something like, you know, we're, we're 20,000 messages a day um, and we're hardly taking any of them in. Of course, we're not taking them in, but like, I, I think that's more, more in Ireland. I think, you know, in Ireland, the sort of some of the quality of the work that's going right there is a, isn't great. So you're sort of going like, how many messages are we confronted with here and how, what's the percentage of them that are poor? I think you find it's probably really high. So we just want to cut through that with stuff that's interesting and, um, you know, gets you know people liking advertising. We actually like advertising. We love it. Like it's the thing that we really enjoy doing. And, you know, as a team, we sort of sit around and obviously processes can be difficult sometimes, but at the end of the day, we're really proud of the work we put out. And, you know, we look back, like we, we do a newsletter every year, which is sort of like our portfolio of the year. And we just look and go like, how proud are we of the work that we've done? And this year, it's just insane how lucky we are to have been able to do that kind of work, you know, with all sorts of cool people and collaborators and partners and agencies and clients. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's great to be able to see. And sometimes you forget that because you're stuck in the, you know, the day-to-day -day operational stuff. So uh, so basically, what ads do I like? All of my ads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, that's probably that's... the best answer we've got to that question <laughs> in in this in this series the, so far. The other interesting thing, just around that, all good good publicity is good publicity. Um, I think what's interesting about that as a kind of saying is when that was originally come up with, column inches were very valuable mm -hmm. in a sense of what publicity could be. Whereas now, as you said about the amount of messages, there's fucking publicity everywhere. Yeah. It feels like there's no limitation as to where you can publicize anything you want to do. <laughs> so at that stage, it's like, yeah, so originally it's like that was very valuable. Whereas now it's like, oh, yeah, OK, there's yeah. another thing. There's another thing. There's another thing. I don't care. I know. Um, I wish somebody could analyze so exactly because there's lots of stats that are bandied around these days. And mm. I mean, I'd love to just actually understand what, like, technically, what is it that we're seeing and how shit are they? I suppose is the is yeah. the actual question. Because uh, yeah. then it would give such a because I don't know about like obviously in the past couple of years have been tricky for everybody, but like mm -hmm. there's no point in getting out of bed in the morning if you're just going to go on at to that i know that's what people think so you're sort of going well and of course we're not always going to be doing something that's like you know super edgy and uh crazy but we have that as a just as a you know inherent thought that we want to do that at all times and that is the vision and um, and that's why you know people come in and work with us because they're going listen you know we know it won't be perfect all the time but for the most part we're trying to do this one thing and we really enjoy it um and yeah that's a lovely attitude to have uh, that that uh, it's nice when you're able to reflect on that as well and go, you know, fuck it, I do, I do really love my my, my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, like you know, and, yeah. I, it's because I think you do get sort of caught up sometimes in, um, you know, how it is difficult this job. You know, there's lots of opinions, um, and you're trying to manage people's opinions. And everyone, obviously, everyone's entitled to an opinion, um, but you're sort of trying to figure out, you know, who's who's right, and you're, it's like you feel like you're an opinion diplomat. And, uh, you know, as you try and get through it, suddenly, you know, you, you generally come to a good consensus. Is it Aristotle? I, I, I am quoting Aristotle on a podcast, but he says everybody's <laughs> entitled to an opinion, but not everybody's opinion is valid. And you're just yeah. really trying to figure out the validity of the opinions. But interestingly, in our agency and the clients, we've got your we've hired people whose opinions are valid and we want their opinions and actually it mm. does bring us to a place which is actually quite interesting for most projects and um, so yeah 
That's really nice. Um, really nice. Well, I I think uh, I think we're all ready to to see to see what what selection of ads you have brought. Um, so these are ones that are uh, some most of them aren't your own. So uh, what is the first one we're gonna watch? Um, so the, f- the first one, uh, this and this is kind of a little bit of a gripe of mine these days because obviously huge part of what we do and uh, the agency, another agency principles about you know anti formula. And this is like, I think it's 2011, whenever the first John Lewis, so John Lewis had been doing loads of ads that were products um, and, you know, it was all trying to sell stuff with some kind of, you know, attitude based stuff brought into or an idea brought into, but it was definitely product centric. And then this year they brought out this thing about the little kid who is buying a gift and there's a twist in it. And it was the, and it had still had the, you know, piano music over the top that made everybody feel all the feels. But it was the first one that got everybody to feel really kind of like, you know, emotional about Christmas on behalf of a retailer. So they started, this is when this all started. My, my gripe, I'll tell you my gripe later. Let's watch it. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, now, I know you're going to haven't seen that get years. into your gripe, but that is a cracker of an ad, though, you have to say. It, it's a cracker of an ad, which is my point. This was 11 years ago that they did a cracking yeah. ad that changed the way people talked about retail at Christmas. So it wasn't just, it's not about products. It's about the feelings. And obviously that is advertising. We're trying to capture people's emotions and go, you know, there's a reason why we're doing this and it's not just about selling, you know, potatoes or something like that. Um, Cause that's not compelling. So I suppose my point on this is it was done that long ago and every Christmas, and I know it's brilliant cause we're all so receptive to advertising at this time of the year, but I feel like it's just every year it's cliche after cliche. And I don't know if anybody's doing things that much better than that. And, you know, to me, you know, if you're talking about anti-formula, We've set up our own advertising industry has set up their own formula at Christmas time. And very few people are going anti-formula on this. And it's a time of the year where we want people to go anti-formula. Give us the honest truth. That is cracking. And there is loads of brilliant ads. I'm not like, you know, I'm not having to go at the the Christmas ads, but they all pretty much have the same construct and the same 
you know, ambition to be a bit of a tearjerker or make you feel something that is uh, lovely and warm. And that's great. I'm not having a go at that. I'm just saying the formula of, you know, slow track that has got loads of piano in it. Um, you know, and probably a cover of a of a rock or a pop yeah, song. Yeah, slowed down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we're getting to the point now. We're doing where we're doing covers of the covers of them. Like it's like yeah. it's so ridiculous. I, I'm I'm just saying like there's an opportunity now. That's what I feel, and that's why I'm putting that out because it's a brilliant ad. It's done ages ago, and we're sort of going. You know, where are the where's the edge in that? When when are we going to yeah. change that? A few people have tried to, and you know, done it quite well, but like it's still the same brief every year, and you're going surely we can kill it you know yeah i i agree i have the same gripe so you're not you're preaching to the choir here like every year for the last fucking five years you get 10 now of these if not 20 if you look globally more and more and, and then there's ones you've not even seen that are better than the ones you are seeing and you're like like the only thing like if they ran that again you'd be like oh okay yeah like i think i wonder, I wonder if they ran that this year and how many people wouldn't even know, wouldn't have remembered it from 2011, yeah. apart from your, you know what I mean? Apart from your art direction and a few styling things and a little bit of the, the, the camera work on production, you wouldn't know that's over a decade old from, a, from as you said, from that template, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm just like, every year you see it come out and you're like, okay, can, like they are, and they're good. Like the stuff they're coming out with is good, but it's that mold is over 10 years old. And you're like, when are we gonna, when's our flip here? Are we gonna, yeah. cause like, it's like anything. It's the same in sport. Like when you're playing rugby, it's you make a pattern, break a pattern, make a pattern, break a pattern. That's how you keep stuff moving. And I'm just waiting for that kind of mass exodus from this, this let's make people cry or let's make people feel, th not feel things, but I just think there's a different way there's, there's potentially a different opportunity there for a lot of brands. That I think yeah. this feels safe to them now. Like being, being this is safe. And I just think when you're in a space that's constantly safe year in, year out, and you're spending a lot of money to be safe year in, year out, that's the time where you have to try and do something. Or someone needs to put the challenge to them to try and do something different. Yeah. Um, and and fairness to John Lewis this yeah. year, they did actually bring it into a, you know, awareness thing for another for a charity which, yeah which, they changed yeah because yeah. i can imagine that was exactly the brief in february you know whenever they got it so yeah. um, but it still doesn't stop the the barrage of you know no. the, the same Copy things text. and it's like you know what are you it, trying to do advertising you're trying to make me like cry every ad break at christmas like because yeah like you know it's kind of getting a bit depressing to be honest and then you know like i'm not like this is obviously you know I, i'm not trying to offend me but then you're getting you know there's a what's the one with the tin man at the minute and i'm like going i, I thought that was a wood the follow-up to the woodies ad because it's pretty much exactly the same in format and you're going oh that would have been good if it was wd-40 sitting in his belly and not and i know it's getting critical acclaim and everybody's loving it and, and it is again just to clarify it is a really good ad i'm just saying yeah it, it is. feels like it's just all the same stuff and what's the different scenario that leads you into this misdirect where you then suddenly find out yeah. that they're you know lovely and it's for someone else and you you know start crying and stuff so it's just every time the, the thing with that the thing that made me think of mrs higgins with that ad is my wife even said it to me and like she hates advertising because i talk about it so much she goes is that on mrs the same street yeah. as mrs higgins yeah. street and, just, and it's the opening thing and i was like oh, i don't think so i was like where are they shooting what's this one house um <laughs> 
but yeah no it's 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 no that is that it is a good ad but it's yeah, it's no, that it type is. of template that emotion and i think yeah. i've i've talked about it on this in at length it's it's about the, the movement and the humor and how humor has been decreasing. I don't know if you saw that research came out about how humor is decreasing and decreasing and decreasing over the last say, every every two years it's going down. But I, I describe it as like if you're at a house party or you're at a party with people and there's one person telling you all these sad stories about their life and like what that makes you feel like versus the person who makes you laugh. Who are you going to be like, they were good crack, I'd meet them yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think there's just a little bit of that. I'm kind of like, give me give me a smile that's not accompanied with a kind of like oh <laughs> <Yeah>. what's, the, <laughs> that's what's all, that um, that's what i want that personally old... though that's not a you yeah. know it's just me there's, there, there's that saying from the from the 60s and 70s in, in tech was that no one no one got fired for for hiring ibm or buying ibm yeah, yeah. uh when when they're purchasing and, and that that's what it feels like this uh route of 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 creative ads like christmas is well it has to be emotional at least we know we're we're safe enough. We're not mm. going to be sticking our sticking our arm out the window and it get chopped off. You know, it's 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 you're going to be you're going to be all right. Um, from a from a from a from yeah. a what's what's the word? But from a from a blowback point of view or a risk point of view. Although I am glad that you clarified that it was the fifties and sixties because we had a guy in the office who used to say that phrase all the time, and I never understood it because I'm going like, if you bought IBM right now, I'd fire you. Like, what are you what are you? <laughs> <laughs> like he, and he kept saying it and making to you oh you know no one ever got fired for hiring ID or buying IBM and I was like I don't, I don't understand technology's moved on <laughs> but thanks I didn't realise it was please. a 60s and 70s reference there so that's good <laughs> well, I think you've 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 hit um you've hit the nail on the head with this one this is this is something that's come up a good bit in the podcast yeah. is is yeah. these Christmas ads and the 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 constant rush to emotion that they're not even emotional yeah. anymore because you you exactly. know it's not going to blindside you. We're this blindsided you. Yeah. I think nearly anyone who's watched this particular John Lewis ad can remember the bone was going. Oh fuck, yeah. yeah. He doesn't care about his own presence. That was that was so impactful, and they've never had the impact since. And and that that's fallen off a cliff now when everyone's trying to re- yeah. trying to replicate I was, that. So I, I was living in England when this was released and everyone fucking nuts for it it was yeah. everywhere it, it, i remember like i didn't have kids at the time and it broke me because like emotionally i'm like oh that's amazing and i've got yeah. kids now and i was watching it again there last night to send to you guys and i've got the two kids pretty much that age and i literally was like welling up it was you know yeah the, the concept of, like, you're right they should run it again yeah. run it again they should run it again and make it about sustainability or something. <laughs> I, love that. I love that ad brought back the original yeah. John Lewis ad. And they'll save themselves a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, let's, let's move good. swiftly on then to uh, our next ad that we're going to see from you, Cal. Cool. This is classic, classic advertising. This is one of the reasons why I got into advertising. The, there was a, a range of ads. Was, I think it was HGC called Hal Henry, HGCL at the time, and they were just doing brilliant work for like Tango and uh, Super Noodles and Pot Noodles and a bunch of other things. I'll tell you a, a little bit more about it later, but it's just a classic that gets people, just cracks me up every time. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, somebody feed me. I feel like I've been here for days. In this blistering heat. I'll get you something to eat, okay? If you just shut up! Feed me. You're too late. I've wasted away. I can't feel 
my legs, Sal. Well, you won't want these in, will you? No, no, Sal! I'll have them. Come on. Cover yourself, up. Bachelor's superb noodles. I added the B myself. I absolutely love. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Bad. I haven't seen that in years as well. That's fucking great. Oh, but it was like it was. There was a stage in the height of brilliant UK advertising that was. So I, I have a bit of a gripe about dialogue-based punchline ads, where you sort of, mm -hmm. you know, we know that people see. Well, depending on media buy, you know, it could be three or four times they see an ad. But if you see an, a punchline dialogue ad. It's like, you know, you've got it. There's nothing more to watch again. So the fourth time is kind of irrelevant. So it's wasted, wasted money and time. Whereas that ad, and there was loads of ads like that. Like, do you remember Peter Kay's uh, Warburton's one where he was, you know, on the phone reassuring the kids that they don't need to worry about the ghosts because they need to be worried about the burglars. Um, and there was just a range of these kind of ads that were just, you, you could have watched them 50 times and still laughed at them. And it was just brilliant. And even... Those uh, super noodles one, like they came up with my best ever, uh, the, the best ever copy line I've ever heard, which was uh, super noodles. We call them super, so you'll buy them. And and that was it. Like, and you were going, because <laughs> so every, they, they did about 10 of those ads that, you know, like that one I've just shown you. And they had a different end, end line on every one of them, just messing, just having fun. And, uh, I mean, to me, it was just that. So the agencies that were doing that at the time, there was a bit of an issue. And this is where, you know, what I wanted to bring up a little bit is in the Irish market right now, we we don't really have a very diverse working community. There's a course that is done and it's a really good course, but it's only a certain demographic of people who can get on that course who can then enter into the advertising scene. Um, and they're all you know, not all, they're not all the same, but they're of a certain um, kind of uh, demographic. In the UK at the time, it was exactly the same. So to get into the ad industry, you had to basically sleep on somebody's couch for two years to, you know, do um, yeah, like working for free and go and collect the doll every Thursday or whatever it was. Uh, and all that meant that it, it was only able to attract a type of, and it was generally middle-class people who could afford to live in London and work in agencies for free for a year or two years. Whereas these agencies just went, screw that, we're going to go and get somebody. So the people who wrote this were from the north of England. They brought them down from like Chorley or something like that. And they were at some university up there. They brought them down and they were just so direct about how they talked about products. And that's, mm. to me, that was unlocking. So, you know, at the same time as I'm commenting on that, it's very difficult. I don't know how you change that. Uh, but it just shows you the success whenever you have like teams of writers and art directors who just, you know, understand their communities really, really well. And that's where it gets really interesting. I actually think, and I, we need to, as an agency, we need to invest in some way to make sure we are working with people who represent all the communities mm -hmm. in Ireland. Um, because, you know, the industry is Dublin centric, definitely. And people do come to London to be a part of that, but we're exposed to, and if you think about anything, you really are influenced by what you're exposed to. So we are exposed to a type of advertising, a type of radio ad, a type of outdoor campaign. Um, and it sort of sets the tone for everybody. Whereas what we need people to come in and bring all these kind of weird and wonderful ideas that they've got and backgrounds. And like, I mean, I'm sure one of the most successful uh, creatives in London used to be a jockey. Mm. He wasn't he wasn't trained in anything other than riding horses and he 
you know, went into BBH, I think it was, and they gave him a chance and he, you know, became super successful. It's like, it's just that diversity of where they come from and what they're bringing. And it's not even, I don't know if it's a nice to have anymore. I think it's a, we have to have that in some ways, but um, and is that, yeah. Is that, do you think, Colin, is that, is that a, a, at each agency level and each production house level and each firm's level, or is, it, a, is it an IAPI kind of industry body led piece or, or combo of both? I think it's a combo of both, but like, I mean, obviously there's gender, there's race, all there's all those areas, but then it's just to me quite, a big part of this is just geography and making sure that you're getting someone from Kerry who's representing how people feel in Kerry coming in and are, you know, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I, yeah. I'm just saying it's not, it's just not a very diverse, it's a, it's a small industry here. I mean, that is, it's not anyone's fault. Um, no, I, so it, I, I don't know what to do really about that, mm. but yeah. I, I, um, I definitely think, uh, that's, uh, geography is, is more the thing I kind of lean towards. It's like who, like um, we did, we did some interesting work with um, local radio not too long ago, IRS Plus, around analysing um, accents impact on radio listeners via their radio station. So what we did was, right, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. So you saw up to an eight percent. So we, we 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 ran it. So the whole point was to prove that you should do you should if you're running your ad on Carry FM, well if you can get it re-recorded with a Carry accent, it's going to have more impact, right? Um, so we ran it uh we ran geo-targeted youtube ads nissan worked with us on it um with irs so we just with irs we we re-recorded with local station djs put the accent over with that script ran it geo-targeted in Kerry, and then just measured the amount of people who skipped versus when, when there was a control of the national ad and we saw that in, when the accent the accent bet the national version in every single geo-targeted place and then in like places where really strong accents like Kerry and Donegal it was up to eight percent across almost all the age demographics yeah. so it was just something interesting to 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 play with and kind of show the importance of how that different like everyone it's, it's like we we're talking about the north of England stuff for for this it's like yeah. there's there's things that you can seem or you can think oh maybe accents don't matter that much and then when you actually look at it you're like yes this this does matter this matters quite a bit eight percent is massive yeah. when it comes to a brand return and if you can get someone like irs plus who has access to um, a load of local radio stations and djs with accents who are trained and they'll give you a package that will re-record everything uh, and put it out yeah. there you're like yeah that's something that we should be considering in our actual that's amazing because if you're talking about it just from a like a rational accent mm -hmm. which is quite you know a basic but it, but you know where i'm thinking about it is from a more conceptual yeah. point of view as well so imagine that applied to the regional accent then it just proves that you know that could be huge multiples because it, that's what I, that's why i was showing those ads because that um that had a massive effect yeah. on con conceptually on how uk advertising worked or good uk advertising because it would have been very highbrow and probably a little bit elitist and then suddenly it just got completely democratized and everybody just went you know what i can have a go at this and i like this and i think this is hilarious mm -hmm. and you know um suddenly it wasn't the elite anymore yeah, so. yeah. Business, see an yeah. ad an ad having that 
effects and the, the wider ripples that I can have. Yeah, in the industry. I know. Just, all, I'm, all I'm saying is we need we need more minorities. That's what I'm saying. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> right to the chase. There, yeah, man. no, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah more minorties. Bring them oh, in. That's that's gonna be the that's gonna be the headline of this podcast episode. But also just just to just to say with that ad in particular. So that came out in uh, 1998. I was 10. I remember seeing that ad, and I remember it like trying to do that that gag became a thing in my head yeah, then. i was like wait a minute yeah. can i like trick people into thinking i've melted and and that's all, yeah. all, all as a kid that's all i saw i saw him doing the gag for me it was yeah. the the light on the face i was like oh he's committing i was like that's funny that's funny i get that and then he did that gag and i was like i'm fucking gonna try this <laughs> that, that, that was an ad that we kept using the the line i'm wasting away that would like if anyone was in our house was hungry that was the line to say you're you're hungry for years yeah, exactly. years after this ad it's it, the voiceover thing you probably don't know who it is but it sounds like christopher morris the actor the 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 fella from the it crowd brass eye i don't remember I, I, yeah i kind of i don't know who it is but they as i say they recorded like 10 different versions of it so every ad even though it was the same mm. setup and the same pack shot just had a different you know yeah, super, super noodles, something, something, super duper noodles, just stupid stuff. And it was brilliant, you know? It's like uh, when you see with the Will Ferrell outtakes from like Talladega Nights, where you're just delivering the same line, yeah. but just ad libbing every single one of them. I love, exactly. I love that. Um, I love that stuff. That was a, that's, that's a real blast and fast. Delighted, delighted you brought that back into my memory. I'm going to come, I'm coming across in this podcast like I'm like an old boy or something like that. <laughs> I actually really like lots of new stuff as well. Oh, no, no, so, no, no. Uh, you're coming across. No, no, it's 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 good. You're coming across. Uh, you're talking about current things, but using old examples. See, so so, that's so uh, <laughs> thank you. That's what I meant. There he goes. There he goes. So obviously, uh, your your final ad is going to be brand new shampoo, just out of the box. Uh, <laughs> well, hands that do, do dishes. Uh, fairy, actually, I went to college with the lad who was the kid in the fairy liquid advert. You know, the cute little kid with the blonde hair. He was my best mate at university in England, and uh, yeah, he it was his chat up. I was just going to say, did he worked. dine out on it? I was like, that's amazing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he even brought a little bottle of fairy liquid out some nights, and you're like, oh, you're really going too far. Oh here, God, <laughs> he's committing. He's committing. Fair yeah, you know, oh, you got to have a hook, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, I used to, whenever I was married, I used to chat chat up girls and tell them that my dad invented the drop shadow. And it always <laughs> was like, it was a it was a compelling conversation. Basically, it was my start. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. There was, we, yeah. We, we had a friend. He didn't invent, he didn't invent the drop <laughs> shadow, just to clarify. We, we, had, we had a friend in college who used to say his, um, he was part of the Armitage Shanks family, the toilet uh, manufacturers. <laughs> and it was so odd. It, it would, it, who it did worked. that? <laughs> I'm not going to say in the podcast. I'll tell you after. Uh, okay. <laughs> he used to do it. <laughs> uh, if I, if the, that's uh, funny, that's the difference between me and you as friends. If I could remember who that was, I would 100% say this on the podcast and make it the fucking tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd make it the fucking teaser. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, we're, we're, we're on to your final ad, Colin. Last but not least, uh, can you tee up our, our, our last ad? Um. Yeah, this... So. Before I came back to Ireland, um, I'd been working at DDB in Vancouver and there was all sorts of big projects, the Winter Olympics and Canadian tourism and all these exciting things. But first project I came back to, I was like, here we go. And it was for the news of the world, I think it is. I can't even remember. It was one of the one of those papers. Um, and we wrote this script and it was kind of a bit of a joke. And 
what happened in the script actually ended up on TV. And there's so many chances for this one individual to say that he didn't want to be a part of it. Um, and I'll give you I'll give you the modern lesson from this ad <laughs> after you see it. But it is an oldish ad, actually, maybe 12 or 13 years ago. But anyway, have a look at it and you'll you'll see what I mean. Amazing. Morning, John. There's more trouble brewing in gangland, and I've got the inside story for you. Guess which footballer's been caught with his pants down again? Time to refresh your wardrobe. Never thought I'd end up here, but I've delayed us on today's big match. Love, will you finish the breakfast? The big stories from the big names. Only 150, and only in the Irish news of the world. I remember that. I remember that. The, the big man himself. The big man himself there coming in at the end. <laughs> exactly. Don't mind the ad. The ad is okay. Average. Um, I suppose the point of this ad, and this is what I love about the Irish market, and this is why, you know, why we did it, is the fact that we managed to get Birdie into a yeah. cupboard. Like, he was given so many chances to go, I don't know if this is going to be good for me, all the way up to the point where he was sitting in the cupboard with a crew of, like, you know, 20 people sitting around. And I was just going, are you totally sure you're okay with this? And he still sat there and did it. And I'm not, like, you know, I'm not making fun of Bertie. Bertie is, knew exactly what he yeah. was doing. And he knew he'd probably get a bunch of publicity. But I suppose the point that I've got on this is that you know, this market is small. You can do, like, you can be as ambitious as you want to be. And, you know, particularly with your concepts and ideas, like, you know, write whatever you think is going to be the best. You don't need to look at the UK or the States and go, what kind of advertising are they doing? You need to just go, what would be awesome to do? And can I write that down? And can I manage to wing it and get away with it? Like, as an agency, you know, we've done 40 foot uh, high, you know, installations of drive through confession booths and, We've nearly got arrested for, you know, gold Virgil van Dykes outside of Anfield and stuff. And we've, we've done tons of stuff that are just so ridiculous. But we write them down. We present them to our clients. We talk to them about the, as transparent as we can be about the fact that, you know, this might not work mm -hmm. or this may work. Um, and most of the time, clients are going, well, let's see. Let's see what happens. And you never know. You might get burning into a cupboard without uh, any hitches. And that's kind of where... Like that is the attitude of the agency. That's obviously it's always been my attitude as a creative. Um, but like, don't don't sort of stop your own thoughts because you think that it might not happen. Because Birdie gets into cupboards is the way I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great lesson for life. I think it really describes. Yeah, uh, maybe it's, it's a life, a life lesson. lesson. Yeah. Birdie will get into a cupboard. You can rule the country or sit yeah. in a cupboard. They're the same thing. But um, yeah, I think what's interesting is you made a valid point. There is like having that. One, having the willingness to, to say to your client, I don't know if this will work. And I think I think early on in an awful lot of um, kind of relationships, people can be fearful of that because people are fearful of saying I don't know in most things totally. in life, right? So it's getting to a stage mm -hmm. where you're like, I'm okay. I'm okay to tell this person. It's like, look, this is the idea. <laughs> Who fucking knows? I was like, I don't know if we can get them. I don't know how much it costs. I don't know if he'll show up one time. But I was like, this is the potential benefit of this and the idea. And I think when you can get into that space with with a client where a client will trust you enough 
to not do that, do that as just a once off, but where you start to build a kind of body of work around that kind of fearlessness um, of repercussions or, or kind of failure. I think that's where you get into some real create creatively. I feel like that's where you get into some real space that you can you can flourish because you're not afraid to bring the crazy fucking idea that they might that in your head they're saying no to every morning, every day. Yeah. They're saying no to all of it. <laughs> Whereas if you're in a space that you can actually bring them something that you'd be like, this would be this would be fucking amazing, but there's no way they'll do it. Um, and then yeah, the day yeah. they say, yeah, and you're like, OK, let's put Bernie in a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. And I mean, like, it's it's funny because you sort of, you know, obviously it feels like a one sided or like a fairly one sided relationship in the sense of with agency mm. client. But actually where success has happened for us is it like if, if you empathize with clients, if you, if you think about them in their world, actually, it's actually incredibly tricky. Mm. So they're uh, talking to a group of people who are passionate, excited, and also weirdly we present stuff super quick as an as agencies, you know, here's 50 ideas in four minutes. Can we get your feedback? Like that's, that's <laughs> like, if that was me or you, you would shit yeah. yourself. Cause it's actually, you're trying to, you know, give constructive feedback on a thing that you probably haven't had a chance to really think mm. about, but then add into that the stakeholders that they have to deal with and all this stuff. Like, I mean, as a as an art director, I hadn't a clue how clients worked, and I would just be the guy wheeled in to show my ideas and then gripe because somebody didn't like them or something like that. Um, but you know, having you know set up a company and you know working really closely with a lot of our clients, just just understanding the complexities of their world mean that that you have to empathize, right? You have to understand it, and you have to like so. Pretty much all of our projects, we would come in with a. You know, we generally present with the headline. What would the PR be? The PR headline be from that. Here's the idea that gets you there, and here's roughly how we can actually help you to, you know, manage that internally. To go well, what you know, what do you need us to add to that? What do you need us to, you know, build into it to help get it through within your own stakeholders? And and obviously they will come back with some of their feedback as well and those kind of things. But that's how we seem to unlock uh, the work that we are doing right now because we just we do actually genuinely empathize and want to help our clients to get through and this isn't me trying to recruit or anything like that it sounds like you know i'm trying to you know get, hold up your business, business here, card it's not it's, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but but if you look at most of our clients that we started with we still have them 10 years later and it's because of that i think um yeah. anyway and, and that was you know as i say it's you you got to put down what you feel is the best idea and you know don't second guess yourself before you've even got it in front of the people who you know mm. might actually go with it yeah no definitely and is there was there any um ideas that you had out there like like not knowing if you get Bertie in the cupboard or, or what have you that you're surprised that they actually went for that you're like nah no it's what we presented because it's a great idea but they're never going to go for it was there any that they went for and you're like oh, oh shit we actually got to do this now well you know it's a good question but i would go pretty much every week we'll present something that we're surprised um you know we, we don't even do the whole here's your three ideas here's the edge you want here's yeah. the one that you'll probably buy and here's the one that you know you might have asked for or something like that we don't even do that anymore we're just going like we genuinely think this is a good idea but obviously here's a range of ideas but this is the one we think is right what do you think and you know epic have been brilliant they do that even cadbury you know we're pushing them in certain areas to do really interesting stuff um the you know chris died stuff we've just done with Redbreast again that's a range of scripts that mm -hmm. you know here's the one that we'd like to do and obviously there's 
complexities in people with you know some of the regulating bodies of Clearcast and all those kind of guys that you know we can't just say anything but Paddy Power you know we've like we've pushed them and various things as well so like we're not particularly scared of that in the sense of like let's show it and see what they say and we're not trying to ram it down people's throats but we do think that you know if you can back that up and give it a rational reason why it'll work then you know generally people are fairly open to the concept of it so yeah i love the epic stuff by the way good yeah, fun isn't it, it. there yeah. it's a it's a brilliant museum i don't know if you guys no. have been to it i've but, walked by it loads um, obviously in chq but i've just never and that is the that was the first thing i saw that went i may just check out what the hell that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's so interesting to go down and like you know understand who we are yeah. as a, a nation through the lens of the people who have left it and um sorry that sounds like i'm trying to advertise people to go down <laughs> yeah, to it but it is a genuinely okay. good um it's a really good space to go yeah. down this episode brought to you by Epic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like they're yeah, they're cool. We pretty much all of our clients awesome. that we've got we've got were, you know, trying to, you know, just we feel like, you know, obviously there's a category. I know lots of agencies talk about disruption. Disruption is a word that we hear a lot. I'm not sure if we fundamentally believe in the concept of disruption. Disruption seems to be like, you know, imploding and it's really risky. What we sort of go for is we know you've got a category and convention and we know that, that this and we've analyzed that we know where you know brands and you know your competitors sit we're trying to push people out, out of the convention not trying to get them to disrupt their whole business now sometimes to do that you have to disrupt their whole business but it feels to me quite dramatic to go you know you're really good at you know an amazing museum um let's disrupt that and turn that into something completely different we're we're sort of gone no let's that's probably just, you know, just focus on what you do really well and just sell it in a way that people haven't seen it before. Arguably disruption. I, I know obviously that could be explained in that way, but we're sort of a little <coughs> bit more in the world of just, just doing really brilliant work that cuts through. That's, it's not that complicated, <laughs> you know. You mentioned something there, Colin, just um, about, you know, here's the idea we want to do, but here's, here's, three four fifty other other ideas that that happen around the around the brainstorming time and you kind of like them so you don't want to let them go but they're not it so you still want to kind of it's almost like showing your homework during, during exams yeah um, yeah and, and this is something that we've kind of gone back and forth on over the years where we've you know presented did, did the same thing then we went to no here's the idea here's what we're we're kind of committing to in terms of presenting and just going with going with the one is there a hard and fast rule that you find works best or is that just a, you kind of have to find your own flow and rhythm when it comes to presenting back uh, creative ideas? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it comes down to like trust of a client, you know, do you like, obviously, if you're truly creative, you will be able to find interesting ways of expressing pretty much anything. Um, so the way we sort of approach it is that we obviously we trust all of our clients and we, we genuinely want to show them our thinking to get their feedback because we've been thrown in all sorts of directions by, you know, really interesting feedback from clients and it's taken us to on a journey to different places because obviously there's so many variables of how creative can work. Um, but because weirdly because of that and because we do trust our clients and because they know that we are interested in their opinions 
and we're not going to try and you know stall them and sell 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 we we never sell work we just go in and share it and talk about it and uh, but because of that generally they trust us enough to go well actually i actually tend to agree with you i like that idea but the one that you're talking about the one you're recommending is probably the one that uh we feel is right however and they all will always have some kind of feedback on that but we've Definitely. I mean, it's probably part of the DNA of the company because obviously it was started by me and a dog and we had to collaborate with people to get anywhere. And I know, again, collaboration bandied around, totally overused word, but uh, we had to partner with people all the time. So it's part of who we are. We're actually okay with that. Hmm. Uh, and we know our skill set. So we're able to, you know, we're confident in the way that we can actually sort of, you know, guide that and, you know, generally bring it into a place that we are, uh, we're happy. Uh, I, I remember hearing about what is the phrase about diplomacy is the art of letting people get your way and uh and i kind of agree with that in a way but it's like you know we do have a vision we know where we want yeah. to go and we know what ideas we like and then it's just about how do we actually draw people around us to help us to to do that and help them to be successful you know and you know obviously they have um you know things that they want to do sell more products or you know change people's perceptions or whatever that might that might be so those things need to come together, but um, it is partly diplomacy, I think, in our part to make sure that we all do it together in a way that everyone's happy and and, and that leads to good work. And that's that is kind of what we've been doing since day one, and it seems to be working pretty well for us. <laughs> you can say that again. That's a that's a it's a, it's a nice uh, it's nice to hear that insight and kind of to, to, you know look behind the curtain a little bit. Of how, how yeah, it, you'd be surprised how other agencies work. That's what, because, you know, I came from the big networks. Um, I'm not slagging off the big networks because actually I would have worked the same way in the bigger networks. I'm just saying that there is processes and ways that they work that kind of like, you know, they talk a lot about silos, but the, pro the actual problem is that they are designed to be silos from a billing purposes. Therefore, you know, the idea of collaboration is actually quite difficult because it's not, particularly you know designed to be like that from a financial point of view whereas we are different we're set up in a way which is creatively led uh, you know the money will follow we know that it's mainly about getting good work out of it so um so it is quite it's not massively different but it is a, it is a fairly big difference yeah the tail's not wagging the dog in terms of your structure uh from, from a yeah. new point of view yeah um Fascinating. I think we, we could stay here for another uh, hour, Colin, two hours, but unfortunately, uh, we've we've come to our, the end of our time. Um, if anyone does want to get in touch with yourself, uh, what's the best way to, to reach out to, to Colin and the public house? Uh, e emails on the website, send us a, an email or give us a bell. It's, I think it's on there as well. Brilliant. Or LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn. Except that old chestnut. Remember um, now, well, the Colin, most awarded so creative agency in Ireland. LinkedIn, um, go on the website. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, Colin. Thank you so much for your time. and Fantastic. For, for the and here, by, by the way, well done to you guys. This is great. You guys are building up such a good following of people. Like, it's amazing. Like, people are talking about, oh, we're on the, the faux, uh, you know, podcast. There's, people are chatting about it and... Yeah, great. So thank you very Cheers, much. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, we love it. It's a bit of crack like and it's good it's good to chat to people. Like it's like you said, like we love advertising. So talking about it when you can do mm. something that's easy, it's like fuck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good crack. It's definitely been great. Yes, yeah. so we're, we're we're up in the in the episode. I don't even know what episode this is, but it's in the it's in the nineties. Yeah, so yeah. um if uh, if anyone is uh tuning in for the first time and wants to want to listen to the ninety episodes that came before this 
uh, you can go on to uh, workwithfo.e forward slash podcast and uh, view, the, view the archive there. Um, and if you're listening on any of the platforms, like, subscribe, heart, whatever they do these days, um, and uh, all the good just, stuff. Just there. put in the headline that it's Niels Leonard that you're chatting to, and then you'd be flying. <laughs> <laughs> Most successful <laughs> episode ever. <laughs> Brilliant. Colin, thank you very much. And to all our listeners, see you again next week. Cheers. Cheers.